Hello again. Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We are in week four of our series focusing on emotionally healthy relationships, EHR for short. As faith leans into our congregation's vision and dream to grow closer to and more like Jesus. Emotionally Healthy Relationships is an eight-week preaching, devotional, and small group series based on the work of Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. You can learn more about faith and about emotionally healthy relationships at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today. So, before we dive in, let me briefly put this whole sermon series into a more theological context. You see, I can imagine if you were to go to lunch today and tell some of your religious friends that you just listened to your pastor's podcast and he was talking about feelings as part of an eight-week series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships, you might just get a few raised eyebrows, murmurs about what they're teaching in seminary these days. Now, I don't know exactly what they're teaching in seminary these days. I went to seminary 30 years ago. But I can tell you that what we learned then and what they're learning now is pretty much been around for a long time. Church doctrine that's been a part of our life for centuries. It goes back based in scripture. It's just that back then we had different names for it. When we talk about growing closer to and more like Jesus, when we talk about emotionally healthy relationships, what we're really talking about is what we used to call the doctrine of sanctification, what the Apostle Peter called washing of regeneration, what James called wisdom from above, what the Apostle Paul called the new life in Christ. So, this Emotionally Healthy Relationships course could just as well be called Sanctification 101. And here, if you want to impress your religious friends, you can tell them about this course, then ask them the question, so how does your church address, understand, and embody the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in the world today? because that's what we're doing here in this course. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How do we grow closer to and more like Jesus? How are we experiencing the regeneration of the Holy Spirit in our lives today? What we're learning in this series is that it starts and ends with God's agape love for us and for the whole world. God in Christ Jesus has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And through the love of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have been saved, justified, called children of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, in obedience to God's command and following the example of our Lord Jesus, we practice the habit of quiet time with God, drinking deep from the well of God's love so that we can love God and others well. Human relationships require open communication, especially about our mutual expectations and the stories we're telling ourselves about the thoughts and motives of others. We may have Jesus in our hearts, we learned last week, but we also have grandpa in our bones. That is, our family histories, the good, the bad, the ugly, all play into and play out in our current relating with God and with others. And that gets us to this week's lesson that challenges us to explore the iceberg, to look inside us and see what lies under the surface in our hearts and wills. We're talking about emotions. We're talking about motives. We're talking about what's going on in our gut. Yeah, we're talking about our feelings. So let's start with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which, by the way, was written over 2,500 years ago. 
Ecclesiastes 3, beginning at verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them up, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden of God, that, the burden that God has laid on the human race, and God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Here ends the reading. Now, first, this translation says that there's a time for every activity under heaven, but the word in Hebrew is actually chafetz, and it has more to do with what goes on in our guts, our feelings, the motives behind our actions and choices. So what Ecclesiastes is saying is from the day that we're born to the day that we die, we will most certainly experience the whole gamut of human emotions, including, as this list indicates, things like nurture and rage, disgust and boredom, joy and grief and sadness and anger and delight and despair and curiosity, greed, generosity, compassion. Did I say generosity twice? No. (laughs) Apathy and calm. And these are just the ones that are listed here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And so from this wisdom literature of the Hebrew scriptures, I can uh, want to lift up at least three key concepts. First, there is a time for everything and God made everything beautiful in its time. That means that emotions are good. There are no bad emotions. There are difficult ones, but no bad emotions. And God gives us emotions so that we can interpret our circumstances and choose how to respond, when to weep, when to laugh, when to scatter stones and when to gather them up. Second, the Bible insists that God feels compassion, grief, delight, anger, contentment, jealousy, joy, longing, and lament. Sometimes Bible writers are accused of attributing human emotions to God, like anger and sadness, but it may be more accurate to say that the Bible attributes godly emotions to humans like anger and sadness. Third, the Bible affirms that Jesus felt all the feels too, from the pride of his father's affirmation at baptism to the despair of abandonment on the cross. Jesus, the son of God, our great high priest, as Hebrews 4 says, is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, having himself fought the same emotional battles that we do. Or again, maybe it's to say that we as humans fight the same emotional battles that Christ did. The full humanity, the full divinity of Christ is thus affirmed. Which takes us to the book of Ephesians. Now here, as in all of Paul's letters, we learn that in Christ, we have been saved by grace through faith, apart from human effort or good works. And this is what we call the doctrine of justification. But this letter and all of Paul's letters always have a second part, one having to do with the sanctifying activity of the Holy Spirit in us now, Christ in us, how the Spirit is regenerating us in Christ, how in Christ, in baptism, we are reborn children of God, 
And yet we still battle with the old self still in us. Jesus may be in our hearts, but grandpa is in our bones. This is the now, not yet of the human condition. The spiritual battle that we face is not between our feelings and our faith, but between our old selves, our unregenerated selves, and the new self that we are becoming in Christ. Listen to what uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put the new on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Rather be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore. Four things to notice here. First, anger itself is not a bad thing. When you're angry, uh, do not sin, he says. It's not a bad thing in itself, but left unchecked, it can lead to sin. Second, we have a responsibility to do something with our feelings. In particular, with our anger, do not let it fester. Don't let it control us or keep us up night after night. Third, that we are to follow the example of God. Literally, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 says, we are to be imitators of God. We are to mimic how God does things, Paul says. Being kind, compassionate, forgiving, using our words to build other people up. This is to be more like God, to be more like Jesus. And number four, this involves recognizing and repenting of some old habits and patterns of the unregenerated self, bitterness and slander, malicious gossip, judging others. These things are simply community killers, it says in the book of James. He writes this, you desire, but you do not have, he writes, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. James 4, chapter 4, verse 2. Emotional immaturity is why churches fight and quarrel and split. And the only remedy, according to the scripture, the only way a church family can stick together is when every one of us submits our whole selves, feelings and all of it, to God. And so we need to talk about our faith and our feelings. So podcasters and authors and TED Talkers like Brene Brown and Krista Tippert are wildly popular these days because they are normalizing conversations about feelings. Feelings are in. Feeling our feels is growing more socially acceptable. That wasn't so much the case for me when I was a kid. I think I'm a pretty normal, well-adjusted 55-year-old guy. As a kid, I remember I'd get wound up sometimes, upset. I'm the youngest of four kids. (laughs) And I'd I'd run outside to a little grove of evergreens in our front yard at our house in Kirkland. One of those times I went running out there, I must have been about fourth grade or so. And um, 
And I was out there and what and our neighbor, Mr. Vignoli, why I remember his name, I don't know. Mr. Vignoli saw me and he looked at me and said with exasperation and with what I felt was disgust, he said, why are you always crying like that? And I felt something called shame. Big boys don't cry. So I learned how not to cry how to bury my feelings. Because a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. So, yep, I had become a man. (laughs) But not really. Because what happens is that stuffed emotions stifle maturity and growth. They come out sideways in the form of shame, judging others, being fearful, I even pass on uh, the message that I got from Mr. Vignoli to my, ki- my own kids. Keep your emotions to yourself. Stay in control. Don't embarrass yourself. I'd let the voice of Mr. Vignoli dictate my life instead of the voice of God. And that included my life as a pastor. I kept feelings and faith separate for the longest time. I got really good at noticing and naming the feelings of others, but not my own. To this day, I still struggle to acknowledge and name my feelings and my needs. And this, frankly, hinders my growth in Christ. It hinders the sanctification at work in me by the Holy Spirit, and it hinders my ability to lead the mission and community of faith. So lesson four of the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course is called Explore the Iceberg. As this image suggests, sometimes our feelings and our emotions are beneath the surface, the same way that 90% of an iceberg is below the surface of the water. Much of who we are is not readily seen, and if we're not careful, we'll crash into each other. Learning to be still before God sort of stills the water around us so that we can start to notice what's churning below the surface. We can learn how to relate to one another, to listen to one another. We clarify expectations. We clean up our assumptions. We gently and fearlessly consider how our families of origin have literally shaped our icebergs. And now we get to this point where we ask the question, how are you feeling? How are you? Social scientists today, building on the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, now has identified over 80 distinct emotions. This week, Emotionally Healthy Relationships invites you to notice and consider four of them. Sit down with a journal or a piece of paper and um, ask yourself, what are you angry about? And give yourself two minutes. Just write down the things that you're angry about. And then what are you sad about? Take another couple minutes. What are you anxious about? Two more minutes to write things down. What are you glad about? And another two minutes. Don't be surprised if your lists overlap. If you finish one question early or later, uh, don't rush, don't push. If you got nothing to write down, then pause in silence. Invite God to contribute to the list on your behalf, or not. And then the Scazeros offer a few helpful insights with regard to this exercise and our feelings in general. They remind us that, first of all, unprocessed feelings don't die, they just get buried alive. Unprocessed feelings don't die, they just get buried alive. Often they manifest in our bodies in the form of illness or ulcers, migraines, or a sore neck. 
sometimes these unprocessed emotions, they leak. We don't see what's going on in front of us, and so we take it out on others. Others uh, experience our wrath. It has nothing to do with them. Or the third thing that happens with these unprocessed emotions um, is that they, that difficult emotions actually cover or hinder or dull the good emotions like joy and love and creativity. Second, healthy communities know themselves and each other. That's what the book of James was talking about. My Wednesday Bible study, sometimes we take the first 30 minutes just sharing highs and lows. We crave connection. We all do. If I don't know what made you happy today, I don't know you. If you don't know what made me sad today, you don't know me. If I don't know what's making me angry these days, then I don't know myself. And third, feelings help us discern God's voice. Emotions are good gifts from God. Emotions are a place where we meet God or God meets us. In our grief, in our suffering, in pain, in joy, in gratitude, in fear, disappointment, pride, despair. As the Spirit works in me, the true voice of God begins to replace the spirit of uh, the, the voice of a grumpy neighbor or of self-doubt or of shame. In conclusion, I want to invite you to reflect on how your family of origin might have dealt with or buried emotions when you were growing up. How's that working for you today? Second, your children, your grandchildren, they're feeling all the feels. They want to talk to you about things they're feeling or learning about themselves, let them. Don't judge, don't get defensive, don't roll your eyes. <laughs> Just listen, honor their courage, even if they don't do it very well or even if it makes you feel bad about yourself. Third, let these lists, those four questions that you answered, what makes you angry, what's, uh, what are you sad about, what are you anxious about, what are you glad about, and use that list as your prayer list for the coming week. Submit these emotions to God. Whatever is brought to light becomes a light. Or as the old hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And see, fourth, now, if you're ready and willing uh, and, you need, and there's some of these things that go pretty deep, you should talk to somebody. Um, talk to a, a trusted friend, a counselor. Talk to your pastor, to me, Brenda, Terry, Mike, whoever, whoever you know. And finally, nearly every conversation I have these days seems to be about feelings of profound loneliness and a longing to connect in emotionally healthy community. We're all lonely. We need each other. Let us not give up the practice of meeting together is good advice from the book of Hebrews. And let us do it with intention with emotional awareness, and with our whole selves. Emotionally healthy relationships is more or less just a new term for an ancient doctrine, sanctification. And in this course, we are doing the work of tending to the Spirit's sanctifying work in us, growing us increasingly in the likeness of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So thanks for listening today, folks. EHR resources, small group schedules and signups at Faith. Uh, they're at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Keep listening to this podcast for more in this Emotionally Healthy Relationships series. It's available on most podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple and Google. 
You can preview some of the videos on the YouTube channel. And while you're there, you can like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter. Thank you, Chaz and Nadia, for your production and tech support for this podcast every week. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mm -hmm.